Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Hey, welcome to another episode of Perceived Value. I want to start off with thanking my most recent supporters. So huge thanks goes out to Paige, Francesca, Catherine, and Thomas. Your support means the world to me. So thank you. They supported me through either my PayPal or becoming a patron on my Patreon. And if you want to show your support for Perceived Value, visit www.perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on that support page to learn how. So, Jewelry Week, it is upon us. And as an official partner, you've heard me go on and on about this inaugural event. And you guys, it's finally happening. Make sure to stop by New York City Jewelry Week headquarters located at Artists and Fleas in Soho on this Monday, November 12th, to not only grab your copy of the current obsession paper, which is going to be your guide to all things happening throughout the week, but to also say hello to me. I'll be set up with my microphones recording all day from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. And thank you to those who have signed up for interviews. I did leave some time open throughout the day because I'm a big fan of spontaneous interviews. So please stop by and make sure you say hello. There's so much to be excited about. Exhibitions, workshops, museums, panel discussions. But if I'm honest with you all, which I typically am, My favorite part is the receptions. So I'm going to share with you which receptions I feel are not to be missed. On Monday, the Additive Hand, contemporary jewelry made through 3D printing. They're gonna be having their reception happening at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn from 5 to 7.30 p.m. On Tuesday, you gotta check out the Earrings Galore opening reception. I love me some Heidi Lowe and this is not to be missed. Unfortunately, I do have to miss it because I'm gonna hightail it back to Philly to work my day job Tuesday and Wednesday. So please go for me, buy some beautiful jewelry. On Wednesday, my pick is the reception for Parallel Lines, Craft and Culture and Contemporary Jewelry from Israel, which is sure to be a stunning show. That's in Manhattan from 5.30 to 8 p.m. On Thursday, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Bejules Incubator, Anjali Martinez. Jules Kim of Bejules has launched a talent incubator to guide emerging and independent jewelry talent. If I haven't already made this painfully clear, mentors make the world go round, and this sounds like an incredible opportunity. So please check out the reception to see Anjali Martinez's debut collection. She has been chosen as the first artist, and that's happening in Manhattan from 6 to 9 p.m. 
On Friday, I couldn't quite choose between the closing reception for Denizen, happening at Hotel Chelsea, put on by the SUNY New Pulse Metals crew, and the reception for Photocopy, curated by the one and only Kelly Riggs. Denizen is happening from 4 to 7, and Photocopy is happening from 6 to 9, so guess what? You can do both, and I certainly am. And of course, on Saturday, get your butts to Brooklyn for the opening actually slash closing reception of Sirens because this is a one day only event, folks. The reception's taking place from 7 to 10 p.m. and that's at Ghost Gallery in Brooklyn. Now, I did notice if you go to the website, you can search by receptions, but ours is not actually listed under there. So definitely search by exhibitions to get all the details. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about marketing, social media, how to monetize the podcast, how to spread the word. So today's guest is very appropriate. I've been following her on social media the past few years. We actually met last year very briefly at the Philadelphia Museum of Art Craft Show. And although I have Googled her, I've liked her posts, I've watched her Instagram stories, I was still not quite sure what exactly Liz Kantner does for a living. Sure, her website has a bio that talks about her passion for jewelry, which is very obvious through her social media, and her work with digital marketing. So I wanted to know, what does the day-to-day look like for someone who consults others on their branding or content creation, or my personal favorite, digital influencer engagement? Not sure what that means? Don't worry, we're gonna get to that. Liz Kantner laid it all out for me, and I'm so very excited to share my newfound knowledge with all of you. So please welcome today's guest, Liz Kantner. Having a dog for my emotional support, but also maybe, maybe if it's yours, maybe it's like a child, like if it's yours, you'll love it. It is like that, and you have to find the right dog. Yeah, I would want one that doesn't shed, that doesn't have white hair that's, like, visible on all my black clothes. Um, Can you litter box train them? I have a doggy door. (laughs) Okay, there's that. So there's that. But, yeah, I have fur all over my all-black wardrobe. Yeah, see? I can't go there. It would drive me nuts. Yeah. But you never know. You invest in a lot of lint rollers. Yeah, that's a thing. Hmm. Well, Liz, hey, welcome to the Bach building. It's very exciting here. We went up to the bar. On- yes. <laughs> Guys, we went to the bar. Guys, I'm just going to put this out there. We went to the bar. But this is like an abandoned school building. It's very cool. Yeah, it's an old vacational high school. It, this place is massive. There's like eight floors. It's There's parts of this building I've never seen, and I probably never will. That's yeah. how big it is. It's like a horror movie could take place here. Oh, I know. Um, Early JV Collective members who were in here way before my time talked about the good old days when there was hardly anybody in the building and you could play like amazing hide and go seek games. 
Which, I would be scared to do that. Oh, yeah. It sounds scary. So fucking scary. But like, also, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Super fun, but also scary. Yeah. Now it's like too official here. You can never do it. But yeah, we went up to the top floor. This place called Irwin's. We had some snacks and some drinks. And we just, met our new best friend, Janine. We did. Our server was amazing. And she shout out to my friend, Roberta, um, who is her instructor at a local community college. And she was going off about how she loves working with clay. Mm-hmm. And then we both were just like, we love you. (laughs) Anybody who finds their passion, I'm very into. Yeah. And she was pretty passionate. She was. She was reading me like a book too. Oh yeah, she was. (laughs) She (laughs) like came up to our table and she was like, are you okay? (laughs) Is there anything I can help you with? I'm stressed out and it's radiating. (laughs) Guys, Jewelry Week is in a week. Oh God, don't remind me. You got this girl. Uh, When this airs. It'll be on the 9th that we're airing on Friday. You guys, it's Sunday. Um, yeah, so when this airs, Jewelry Week will be like three days away. It's um, happening. Yeah, and Monday the 12th, I will be set up with my microphones at Artists and Please, the headquarters. So come say hi to me so I'm not just sitting there with some microphones all day with no one to talk to. Like, that's my worst fear. Yeah, fear. and she's really nice and not intimidating. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so just walk up to her. Yeah, we could talk about anything. We don't even, like, honestly, I would love to talk about anything but jewelry. You know, we could talk about how your day's going or how your trip's been, or you can just ask me any question you want, really. Um, not to sound pathetic. I'm like, come talk to me, please. <laughs> No, um, go talk to her. So Liz Kantner, Kantner, Kantner. Did I did I do it right? Yeah, you did. Okay, thank you. Um, is in town from Asheville, North Carolina. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Um, but this is your town. I was born and raised in Philly. Yeah, I've been here two years, so I can't really claim it at all. <laughs> um, no, but you can claim it. You can make it your own. I'm getting there. Yeah, like I feel like. Around the two to three year mark, you can be like, I live in Philly. I'm from Philly. No, at two years, you can say you live there. Well, yeah, I do live here. I mean, right. there's no right. But like saying you're from a place, like I still feel yeah. weird being like, I'm, I honestly, and it's funny, I lived in Seattle for seven years. So when people ask me, oh, where'd you move here from? I was like, oh, I'm from Seattle. Because I, I just identify with that more than even Iowa, where I like grew up a bunch. I don't know. So you're back here. I'm back. Um And... I spotted you on Instagram that you were on a trip up here. And I was like, I slid into your DM. Yeah, she did. <laughs> you guys, I'm shameless. It's like, that's how you get interviews. Okay. Um, and so you are visiting your family, of course. Well, so I come up here, I would say um, seven times a year or so. Because um, okay. it's on my way to New York. Mm-hmm. So I used to live in Denver, Colorado. I moved to Asheville. Asheville is much easier to get to New York. Um, mm. So I come to New York quite often, and I usually stop at least to say hi to my parents because they would be upset if I didn't. Yeah. Um, and I just love Philly. It's such a cool city, and I haven't really connected with the jewelry community here yet. Mm. So I'm super stoked that I'm in this studio with such greatness. <laughs> such great. Oh, my God. There you go. Um, I know, but none of them are here, unfortunately. You can but leave their a, energy is. You can leave the little notes on their desk. You know, I didn't even ask. Like, if you looked around the studio, you guys were in the JV Collective studio space. Could you tell which person was which pretty quickly? Um, a little bit. I'm not as familiar with all the artists as mm-hmm. I, you know, should be perhaps but um maria ify like i mean she has some purple so yeah and some shapes and then um 
Mallory's pretty obvious as well because she kind of has her stuff laid out and she has a light blue bench, which is so on brand for her. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah when I saw that of. bench, I was like, of course that'd be her bench. Yeah, it's so her. Um, no, but I love, I love seeing an artist work bench yeah. and workspace. I think it's so unique to them mm-hmm. it is it's kind of like looking at some a teenager's bedroom right you know, when you're like my your bedroom is like your little throne to yourself yeah. and you can decorate it and all the things i miss those days yeah totally so how long are you going to be in oh so you're here the philadelphia museum of art craft show is happening so yes. did you purposely do you make it a point? Do you go to that show every year? So this is actually only my second year. I made a point to go last year because Todd Reed was exhibiting. And is that where I met you? That's where we met. We met there. In person for the first time. Yeah, and I knew exactly who you were. Yeah, which is amazing. I never expect people to know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Liz Gander. Um, oh, yeah, and Todd Reed was there. Todd Reed was there. Um, mm-hmm. But I went again this year because I loved it so much last year. Oh. I discovered so many interesting artists. I love, you know, kind of being in Philadelphia with, like, a community that I didn't meet in Philadelphia, you know? Yeah. So you went to, okay, so born and raised in Philadelphia. Yeah. What area in the city are your parents so in? So they grew up in like Alney. Um, mm. And they're like literally born and raised. Like they were like literally born and raised here. And my parents met when they were 16. And oh, wow. I grew up in the suburbs, but I ended up going to Drexel University, which is um, in West Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And my dad went there as well. Um, so I lived downtown for, I think, seven years. Oh, that's nice. Where out in downtown? Like West that? Philly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I love West Philly. It's a little bit scary, especially when I live there. Yeah, I've heard it's like gotten a lot nicer. Yeah, it's gotten a lot nicer. I, I lived in this one um, like row home with, I think I had five roommates at the time, but it was fine because there was three stories and there were so many rooms. But yeah. at one point, a bullet went through our neighbor's window on like... Tuesday at 11 a.m. <sighs> yeah. But I was so young and naive. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Um, so you go to Drexel. Yeah. And what did you study at Drexel? So I studied marketing. Actually, um, when I was at orientation, I told my dad, I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I just like, for some reason, <laughs> had it in my head. Because prior to that, I wanted to be an artist. And my dad yeah. was like, no, you're not going to make money. Go to business school. And, you know, I respect that. Yeah, I, res- I respect that a lot too. Yeah, I respect that. So I went for marketing. I felt like that's what I connected to most about business um, was the marketing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I sucked at accounting. I think I got like a C or a D in accounting. Oh, yeah. Like grades don't matter in mm-hmm. the long run. Um, but Drexel's great because they have um, an, an internship program that a lot of other schools don't have. So um, I was in a five-year program with three six-month-long internships. So my first one was in PR. My second one was in branding. And my third one was like a production assistant in videography and commercials and stuff like that. So I was pretty much a project manager in that sense. So it kind of helped me figure out deadlines and organization and all of that. All of these internships kind of made it really easy for me to graduate early and get a job. So I left college with a job and my job was in healthcare communications. I hated it. But it was a job. It was a job. Yeah. So also listeners, whew, okay, let's rewind just a moment. So we're talking to Liz Kantner. What, how would you describe yourself? What are you? So I like to help people's businesses. Um, I think that 
I do a lot of things within the jewelry community, but I'm also just somebody who's an idea person. I like to make things happen. I like to move business forward. Mm -hmm. And I really love kind of understanding the whole aspect of marketing and how consumers purchase. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I'm, I'm fascinated in a lot of aspects of the marketing. She moves a lot when she talks. Get up on that mic, girl. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I told you as director, you're going like I this. Know. You're gonna okay. drive them nuts. Okay, listen, I'm Italian. <laughs> I need to use my hands, but I'm going to hold I the mic. I respect it. I so respect it, you guys, but I had to call her out. No, you had to call me out, and I really appreciate that. Guys, um. I love feedback. <laughs> so also on your website, you describe yourself as like digital marketing. Yes. Yeah, so I've... I tell people I've been in digital marketing for 10 years yeah. because my um, I've always been blogging. I've been blogging since 2008 and I still mm-hmm. have friends that I've met from blogging. Oh, wow. And when I first started blogging, it was fashion and music yeah, and, um, and books and like kind of just stuff I was into. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of been into the thrifting thing and the, the like discovering really special items and showing people how to like spend not much money to like create your own look yes 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 I love all those things too yeah Yeah. and I made like weekly playlist and I was like a blogger you know alongside of going to college and doing my internships and all that so um I feel like I've understood digital marketing from a very like the new age of it kind of coming about especially Mm -hmm. for brands and after I left I like honestly my first job out of college I left after five months I hated it oh wow it was you really didn't like it I didn't like it and I was really it was it was a very entry-level job which is fine but I was like in PR for healthcare which is fine I was doing a lot of copywriting a lot of um things for like big like Johnson and Johnson brands okay um and I had met a friend on a train mm-hmm. <laughs> going commuting to this job. And he's like, I work in digital marketing for consumer brands. We're doing social media. Like, let's let's meet. Like, let's chat. Cause I really like what you do. I like your blog. I like, you know, kind of what you're putting out there. And so I interviewed and it worked out and I was hired. And so I started working for a digital marketing agency. I think it was like in 2010. I love how you get this job because you meet somebody on a train and you spark up a conversation and you follow right. through, which is how I get a lot of things too. Exactly. And yeah. he was just like a regular commuter and he became a, an amazing mentor to me. And I'm going to tell you the number one thing he said to me that made me feel empowered. He said, if you're handed it, you can handle it. And it's such mm. a simple thing to tell somebody, but yeah. um, I was working at this job when I had the opportunity to move to Denver yeah. um, about a year and a half later. And I really loved this job and I was good at it. And I was doing social media and I loved the conversation because it was kind of the new age of social media. So it was very new that consumers were able to talk to brands on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I loved putting a like a voice behind a big consumer brand. Yeah. So, um, but then I had an opportunity to move to Denver and he's like, if you are handed this opportunity, you can handle it, go for it sort of thing. I love that too. That's really good advice. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take like a big risk and it's really scary. It was so scary. It was by far the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, at that point in my life. Well, so. cause you also hadn't like never, you actually never had really left the nest. No, I hadn't. Yeah. I was in the suburbs and then I lived in Philadelphia, which I was comfortable with. Yeah, because you were relatively familiar with everything. Right. So, okay. Talk to me like somebody that doesn't know anything in the realm of what you do. Because, like, I pretty much don't know. What is your day-to-day life 
as a digital marketer. Like with this job you talk about, you're like, we're doing social media and whatever. It's like anybody can say they do social media. I do social media every day. I'm not that good at it. I'm not, I don't have like a technique or whatever behind it. So you, you get to work, you clock in, you grab a cup of coffee. What do you do at your desk? So it's changed so much. But back okay. then, it was a lot of copywriting. That's, I was just writing. Writing is writing. Is writing. Yes, I was writing. (laughs) I was essentially writing. I was writing tweets for approval. I was writing blog posts for approval. I was doing like um, outreach to bloggers, and it was much easier to kind of contact bloggers and just send them a free product and have them write about you. Oh, Um, okay. So that's kind of how I I started to learn about PR. We didn't call it PR in my role, but essentially it was PR. Mm -hmm. Um, Because public relations, you would mark is different in the sense of like trying to to connect with people to create some kind of marketing or content. Okay. Right. So Mm. essentially it was just writing content. Okay. And I think that in the the year since it's become much more of a visual platform. Like I think a lot of people are kind of drawn to visual and I think that people are reading a lot less and it's, um, Obviously, there's more places that you can post things now. It was very like Twitter and blog heavy back then and Facebook heavy. Um, Instagram hadn't even, it maybe was very new when I first started in digital marketing. So imagery and taking photos was never kind of a part of the vocabulary. Oh, and now it's all changed. It's like... I mean, in my mind, my perspective, it's always people's perspective. No, I completely agree. I think now it's very photo heavy. If you yeah. can't take a good photo, then you, you have a problem. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, I think about my own um, Instagram and I can, and even about how the analog and how much you'll show up in feeds and whatnot, they they can understand the quality of your image. And that really helps you as well. I've been told. I don't know. It's all like hearsay, I think. I Google, I Google things right. when so, I'm trying to figure things out. The thing with growing your Instagram, if you want to get into it now. I mean, let's keep going on your journey. Okay. Well, cool. first of all, I'm going to ask my favorite question. Drexel's expensive. How'd you pay for that? So I had financial aid and I nice. took out loans. And you're in state. I was in state. So I did get it, I think, a cheaper rate because of that. And um, I got some financial aid. I have a twin brother. So you get financial aid when you're in a family where two kids are going to school at the same time. Ooh. Um, and then also, like, I just took out loans and I paid them off aggressively. I worked throughout my entire college career. I worked at a coffee shop. I worked, I managed an Ann Taylor loft. And then I had these internships that um, two of them were paid. Mm-hmm. One of them wasn't. And I put all of that to paying off my loans. Wow. I didn't play around with you know I paid my rent I paid my bills and all of that but I was very aggressive in paying off my loans and I pay them off three years after college uh well how much in loans did you have like how did I you had do- you know I don't know the exact number it was a little over 20,000 I think okay still really impressive it was a lot but I like lived very minimally and I yeah. just you know paid it off aggressively I kept it as a bill in my like you know finances and I just paid it off good for you um, okay. So now that we got my favorite question out of the way, moving on. So you meet this guy on a train, you have this job, you love it for a year and a half. I'm starting to get a better idea of that. The thing that for me is that I feel like you can't teach somebody to be really good at that. You know, like you can't go to business school and be like, here's this creative take on how to write content. Like, is there a class about writing content for social media? No, I, so in college, um, in one of my last years, when you're kind of like filling up your course load, I took a class in blogging and it was 
the least impactful class I've ever taken. Yeah, I feel like something like that. But then to get hired at a job like that, do you think somebody, maybe somebody like me who doesn't have a degree but is out there and doing things, would companies take me serious as an applicant? Oh my gosh. So I don't, honestly don't believe that college is a necessary means to an end. Well, I don't either, obviously. Right. But. I don't think that's something that you have to do. I think in my case, it worked out because I got a lot of real world experience that I think helped move me forward. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I got hired for that second job because of a relationship I made on a train mm-hmm. and because of he started following me on my social media platforms. He started following my blog and he liked what I was doing. Yeah. And I think it's all about what you put out there. So if you're like not getting where you want to go, just kind of put it out there. Like just start, start doing stuff. what you want to be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I want to be a podcaster and just doing it. And you're doing it and you're a podcaster now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and also I know I just said, I was like, well, college is a great experience it is valuable in a lot of ways but I always think about that because I feel like somebody some people get stumped right like they think they have to go to college before they can get these types of jobs and for me with digital marketing and PR and content writing like I feel like that's a field that really is all about how passionate are and how much you're going to put into it and like try yeah right totally and I think that I was very appreciative when I got to a point where I didn't have to like tell people my GPA and say where I went to school because you do get to a point where your work experience speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, so what kind of salary bracket do PR and marketers at? Like what kind of money do you make? I mean, not a ton. You know, I don't remember what I made at my first job. Um, it was, I think, around or under 30K. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah. But I it's mean, not a ton to live on. I'm in that bracket. So yeah, I get Yeah, you. for sure. And I mean, from the career, you know, as I move forward, I wasn't making much more than that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because you would think like, I work in PR, I work in marketing, whatever. And I always think it sounds so fancy. I'm like, you must be making so much money. No. No. It doesn't translate. Did you no. get benefits at that second job or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, for sure. Oh, good. Which is helpful. I think that like really plays into it. Like I might not be making like 50000 a year, but I get full benefits and health insurance. And to me, that really adds so much value to my life. Right. Also, you're working for a very cool small company. Oh, yeah. That totally. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I am very happy. Um, but like who doesn't love money? Uh, so you moved to Denver. Why did you get that ex? opportunity. Sure. So I um, was dating my boyfriend, Chris. Oh, hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. He's going to be so stoked that I'm on this podcast. <laughs> I didn't meet. I met him, right? Yeah, I think you met him at um, the PMA. At the PMA. Show last year. Yeah, he mm-hmm. loves coming to craft shows um, and shows with me. He loves the craft community. He loves oh, sounds the joy like a keeper. community. Him and Todd are, are chill, you know, like they're bros. That's they hang. Amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, so he was like, I'm moving to Denver. And I'm going to become a tattoo artist. At the time, he was working in industrial design. So it was kind of like out of left field for me. Yeah. Um, But after like a lot of like crying and thinking, um, and he moved actually six months earlier than I did because I was like, I'm not going. There's no way. I'm an East Coaster. Yeah. Um, But I did. I decided to do it. I decided I I needed to try it. Um, He was my person and I had to follow him. Um, As much as that like kind of pains my feminist soul. I talk about that. Yeah. But I had to go with my heart. I do. I respect that. I like that. I think in some situations it's bullshit. In other situations it's valid. And right. like, you know, 
this gotta, worked out for me. You um, gotta take chances. But the road was hard. I yeah. will say the road was hard. But mm-hmm. um, I was like, I'm gonna quit my job and take a minute off. And I like had like budgeted like a month off um, or even longer I could have gone. Um, but within two weeks, I found a job on Craigslist for this jewelry designer named uh, Todd Reed. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> What was the position for? It was for social media, which I, is Todd Reed. I thought he'd be fancier than Craigslist for some well, reason. Well, I mean, you know, you still gotta find people. Yeah, okay, like that's good fair. people. Mm-hmm. You have to start somewhere. And uh, back then, Craigslist, I think, was more like there were less other there were less job searching sites. You mm-hmm. know, like Craigslist yeah. was legit. It felt yeah. like. But I found this social media job, and I was like, I'm gonna check it out. The office was cool. It was so weird. I went in for the interview. Um, on this day it was like two weeks after i'd moved to colorado and you know the night before there was this shooting at a movie theater oh my god oh my god i remember that right the one in aurora yeah at that movie theater with the guy who dressed up like the the joker yep oh yeah so that happened the night before so this like week of my life is like embedded in my head yeah um because another twist to this story is that chris was supposed to be at that movie theater Oh, weird. He was going to go with his friends. Yeah. And he decided not to. And mm-hmm. then we woke up the next morning and it was like, oh, my God, this is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I went into this interview and um, it, I, I didn't connect with the brand at all, you know? But yeah. I was like, yeah, this, I mean, I guess it's cool. Fine. I don't know who Todd Reed is. I had no idea who you he was. You kind of just need a job. It's a new city. I just city. needed a job. It was like a cool office, like I said. Mm. Um. And, and the person I interviewed with sounded cool and it was fine. And like, I, so I started working there and, and six months later I was his marketing manager. So what did you get hired on to do? So I got hired. I started his Instagram from scratch. So I got, I was hired on to manage all the social media and email marketing, Mm. um, which is typical in kind of a, a like social media role, um, and That's like an entry level kind of position. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So he didn't have an Instagram yet. And I was like, we got to get an Instagram. Um, he was very into Facebook at the time. So we mm-hmm. kind of focused on that. And then I took over the blog and and kind of just started getting content together. And Todd spent a lot of time with me, um, even as like just being a very new person to his company. Yeah. And he's like, Liz, I need you to go into the shop every single day just to see what's going on. Maybe take some photos if you're inspired, but go into the shop every day because that's the heart of our company. Oh, yeah. And so I started his Instagram with the whole strategy of, I want to show people how cool this is because yeah. I myself was very impressed by like how you take a sheet of metal and like make it into this beautiful work of art yeah and i had never seen that before yeah it's all new to you so you're learning as you go as well i also like that perspective because i think sometimes you're so close to the jewelry or the work or the processes that you forget to kind of give insight to somebody that has no idea what's happening um and i like that you did have that fresh eye right for sure and i think that um Oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought, guys. I'm it's so okay. sorry. <laughs> it's like we're talking about processes going into the workshop, Todd Reed, Instagram. So many different things. But yeah, I think that um the strategy for his Instagram has always been the same. It's just show people who you are and what you do. Like kind of yeah. be transparent, be authentic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been using the word authentic in his office forever. Uh and and he was very into he was one of the first people who 
one of the first fine jewelry designers who I felt like was really kind of unveiling what he does and his processes and not keeping any secrets. Mm. Um, and I also think that Todd's an amazing person because he helps upcoming artists as well. It's funny because when I first learned about what like Todd Reed jewelry was, I was like, who's Todd Reed? And someone like mentioned him. I looked it up and I was like, okay, all right, fine jewelry. Like early on when I didn't know much of anything, um, I just kind of assumed it was in the same field of like Tiffany, you know, like who is Tiffany? You know, who's, who's David Yerman? Who's Todd Reed? And then at the PMA last year, someone's like, that's Todd Reed right there in the, fr- the flesh. And I was like, oh my God, he's not like an 80 year old man that. <laughs> that's no, he's a cool dude. That's kind of what I, yeah, he's kind of attractive. I was like, <laughs> like, all right, like I didn't expect this at all. Yeah, no, he's a cool dude. And I mean, he, he, I, I still wear my Todd Reed ring every single day. Yeah, I, I, I got to look at that. Yeah, it's Raw Cube. I love the Raw Cubes. So how big is his company? Like, how big was it when you first started working there? It was smaller. It's it's kind of had a, a quite a... It's kind of gone up and down a little bit. He's yeah. very open about that. Um, he's made some mistakes in his business, and I think that's that's a beautiful thing about him is that he owns it. Yeah. Um, and he moves forward in the best way possible. But many of his bench jewelers have been with him since like literal day one in the garage. Oh wow. Um, or it wasn't a garage. It was like more like a storage unit. But okay. um, a lot of them have been with him since day one. And um, what I connected with most about his company was not only Todd. Him and I, I feel like really connect, but also. I, I became so engaged with his bench jewelers mm-hmm. um, and the story that they were telling um, and the passion that they put into these pieces because he he draws a sketch and then he hands it off to the bench jewelers and they really put all their heart into making it lay right on the body and, you know, um, that just the, it takes forever to make these one-of-a-kind pieces and it's just the craftsmanship's incredible to watch. So is most of Todd's work one of a kind still, or he has like a production line? It like- is. There's certainly some some pieces that could be re- remade, but he's going. But he kind of tried production for a little bit, but now he's really kind of going back into that one of a kind mindset, which I think mm-hmm. is where he shines the best. And if you take a look at his Instagram and see what he's working on now, I think you'll really see that it really speaks his voice. It it's so it's so good. So how long did you work for him? So I worked for him for four years. Um, and then about six months ago, I started doing his Instagram again. Um, oh. Yeah. So I, I just, I love his brand and I feel like I connect with it pretty deeply. So I'm always glad to support it. He was kind of your like gateway drug to jewelry. He was my gateway drug to jewelry. And I would say, <laughs> I will say it's a good gateway drug to have because the craftsmanship is beyond insane. It's yeah. so, so good. Um, and he started a campaign kind of, um, in the years that I wasn't working with him, but I think it's so good. It's called Forges One, and um, the makers have a mark, and he has a mark, and designed by Todd, you know, made by so and so, like Andy or I Matthew or like that. Jared or Ashley. Like they're all incredible, and they deserve to be noticed. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want to step on any toes. But when you're like, oh, he draws a design and hands it off to the jeweler, I was like, that's the wor- hardest fucking part. Yeah, but we recognize them. He recognizes yeah. them, and they're such an important part of his company. They're like, in my opinion, the heart of his company. And you know, I'm sure back in the day, like he obviously is trained as a metalsmith. Is he, or is he, he someone is. that just started? Well, he's self-taught, designing. but okay. he made all of his jewelry for a very long time. Okay, and he made um his jewelry for a long time when he had bench jewelers as well and he still makes quite a bit of yeah. of more like 
specific things like he makes a lot of bowls and objects and he'll make awards for for organizations we partner with and stuff like that so he's always making he loves designing he loves making yeah he's i mean he's been there he's earned the right to get to make the things that he just enjoys the most he doesn't have to do like oh god another diamond bracelet woof just kidding. Hi, Todd. Because um, <laughs> Todd's listening. Hi, Todd. I, I hope Todd. Hey. He might. I'll send him the link. Um, so you leave. Why did you leave? It sounds like you loved this job. What's I up? loved it. I loved it so much, but it was very challenging for me. I had a very hard time living in Denver. Mm. I was born and raised on the East Coast. I love the East Coast. It's a very different mindset in Denver. <laughs> very different. Although a lot of people were from the East Coast or California. There were a lot of transplants. There's a lot of Iowans there too. Yes, lots of Iowans. Actually, mm-hmm. one of um, his jewelers, um, Todd's jewelers, Jarrett, is from Iowa. <laughs> oh, hey, shout out to fellow Shout out Iowan. to Jarrett. Anyway, um, I just, I need it to grow more. I'm yeah. like... I have a hard time working in companies because I feel like I step on toes because I tr- I try to make everything better and I try to work so hard and I, I felt like I had potential to do more and I wasn't being, you know, I don't like I was compensated fine, but I wasn't I, I felt like there was more out there for me to give you bennies. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, for sure. He, he pays his people well? He pays his people pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think that it's just hard to... I think it's hard because I was starting to kind of gain traction because I'd been posting photos on my personal Instagram and I like didn't think anything of it. I was just sharing stuff I really liked. I wasn't trying to get anything out of it. Yeah. But having so many followers, I don't remember how many I had back then, but um, it kind of opened up other doors for me and I mm-hmm. really wanted to explore them. And... Honestly, like as an introvert, I don't love working in an office. Mm. I like kind of having my own time and kind of working on my own schedule. And so I had this opportunity come come up under kind of sad circumstances that um, Cindy Edelston passed away. Um, and in the fine jewelry world, I, she's not familiar. Who is that? So she's she's in the fine jewelry. She was in the fine jewelry world for a long time. Um, she curated the new designer gallery at JA New York, and she worked on the Couture Show. And she was just oh, I remember this. Yeah, right. I saw she was just kind of somebody who really supported emerging designers. And she passed away, and it was kind of shocking to me. I didn't mm-hmm. know her super well, but of course we crossed paths and all of that. And um, because, you know, so she passed away and this opportunity came up to kind of help with her role at JA New York, um, curating a new designer gallery. So for listeners that may not know what we're talking about, J, I always say yeah. jaw. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or J-A-N-Y. That's not right, right? It's it's J-A New York. What does that stand for? Jewelry blah? I don't know. Yeah, I don't oh, know. You don't even know. Oh, it's just called J-A. Yeah. So, um, oh. you know, I'm, I've only been in this part of the world this um or this part of the industry for three years Mm -hmm. so it's all kind of new to me um but it used to be jewelers of america okay and then kind of they they divide it um and jay new york is is a trade show that's been around i mean for i think over 100 years but they've been supporting new designers for i think 42 years at this point wow and David Yerman was in the first new designer gallery. Oh, so yeah. it used to be kind of like, you know how there's like a Vegas market week that's huge now where Couture and JCK take place. Yeah. Um, this The the New York market used to be that. Okay. J in New York used to be the Couture sort of thing. Okay. 
And it happens at Javits, I'm assuming. It happens at Javits. Um, they so, have like a magazine too, don't they? J.A. New York? No, that's J.C.K. Oh. Yeah, the, we were talking Oops. about this when we were having drinks earlier, but the art world and the fine world are very different. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to get more into the fine world or have a better understanding of it. Right, which yeah. is, you know, it'll take a minute. Okay, that's fine. There's a lot out there. Okay, so J.A. J.C.K. are different. Keep yes. going, listening. Okay, so... <laughs> So I had this opportunity to help curate this new designer gallery. And because, you know, it was my first client that kind of helped me move Mm -hmm. forward um, and give me the opportunity to leave and try something else. Um, So I left Todd Reed, although it was sad and everybody, you know, it was it was a nice parting. Um, We left all on good terms and Todd kind of understood that I wanted to try to grow. Yeah. And he supported that. And he's amazing. Um, but so I started curating this new designer gallery and then I also took on, um, my first client, uh, Daria D. Koning, who's amazing. Mm -hmm. She uses cabochons, um, and kind of paints with them. She does this like really cool, like clusters of cabochons, um, in, in really interesting colors. Um, but she's a goldsmith in California. Um, and I started working with her and I, and how do you even find somebody like that? Did you, did you put it out there? You're like, Oh, I'm marketing. Or did she contact you? People contacted me. It's oh. always kind of just things have come to me and um cuz you're working hard and people pay attention and then they right. ask you what's up can or you do that for me You can never you everybody you meet is important mm-hmm. and I think that it was one of Todd's old bench jewelers Dana who introduced me to Daria who Daria then hired me like yeah. you never know who's going to throw business your way or kind of make an opportunity happen for you that's mm-hmm. why like even chatting with Janine at the bar upstairs yeah. like who knows she could be famous who knows or she could like you know create a connection that's really important in your life I think that meeting people is really important and I I really I feel you on that too and I think I talk about that on here because some people will be like well how do you get this opportunity how'd you do that and I was like I don't know I, I remember people's names I follow mm-hmm. up I'm big on thank you cards yes so Honestly, I'm really bad at them. Oh, that's fine. But, you but know, I got it down to an art. Yeah, no, those are really important. Thank you notes are important. Like even just a thank you text message or DM mm-hmm. is appreciated. Just telling people that like, I really got a lot out of our conversation Means or it, it's just such a nice thing to say to people. And I think that relationships are everything. And yeah. I love making introductions. And that's kind of, I started just making introductions and it all kind of came back to me in a good way oh my gosh have you do you read Malcolm Gladwell no you haven't no okay well my mentor gave me um his book outliers on our my one year anniversary with her but there's another book and he talks about connectors I think you're a connector okay we'll talk I'll send you the book I would love to read it okay so sorry I sidetracked you again just because I'm just so very much so like oh my gosh I can talk forever I don't understand how things happen like this especially in this kind of business it's like so Daria hires you to do marketing yeah for her I did mostly social media and some digital marketing um and honestly I still like I'm being very honest here I still don't know quite my business model and I don't understand how does somebody approach you to hire you like what do they say like and how do you even figure out what you're going to charge so a lot of times I get an email or a dm Mm -hmm. that's like I want to know how I can work with you And my first step is always like, I want to get on the phone with you because sometimes Mm -hmm. what people think they need isn't quite what they need. And I also think that having a conversation, I mean, even better in person, but on the phone is really important to kind of figure out what their needs are. Yeah. Um, And then from there, I put together usually custom proposals. 
um, mm-hmm. which is not like a very like streamlined way to do it. But I think that everybody's business when it comes to marketing is a little bit different. Yeah. That's why I'm always shocked where it's just like, how do you do that? Cause I do think everybody is so different in right. their needs and wants. Right. So it's like a phone call. I have a standard questionnaire I ask people, but sometimes I even tweak that from client to client or potential client to client. Um, I think it's really important to truly understand the needs mm-hmm. and then also to truly understand the brand um, or truly understand what the designer is trying to achieve. What if they don't even have a clear brand? Oh Do my you gosh. say that to them? So I'm many sh- people don't. And, you know, when it comes yeah. to jewelry and design, it's so based on the collection. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, the collection is not fully fleshed out yet. Yeah. So a lot of times I'm talking to somebody about, you know, their avant-garde stuff or like art jewelry stuff. And they're like, oh, but I want to make something more commercial. So I'm working on this. And I'm like, well, where's your heart? Like, where are you really passionate? Because I can tell where you're really passionate. And it's always the thing that's weirder or like the thing that's more different or more unique. I mean, we don't need any more basic jewelry out there. (laughs) Like there are plenty of designers. I think that having your own voice is so, so, so important. But it's scary because when you are making those more avant-garde, like one of a kind, whatever pieces, the scary thing is, is like, can you actually sell that? Like, are you going to sell one $2,000 necklace or like $5 or $20 pairs of sterling studs? Right. But what would feel better for you? Mm. I mean, anytime I've sold a piece that's over $200, like I'm in shock. But I also like couldn't go through a trade show and not sell anything. And sometimes, but sometimes need, it happens. I know, but sometimes you sell that five dollar or that twenty dollar pair of studs, and then you get like a little pick me up again. Sure, but is somebody gonna look at those studs and know they're your studs? No, right. So I mean, you guys, let's be honest. My tra- my production line that could be anybody. It's like why are I buy at Rio? Although I can always tell it's yours. I know I did take like a very commercial material and make it my own. I'm proud of that. But I I make the joke. It's like, hey, I'm not making it anymore. You guys, this is take it right. So it yeah. really depends the direction you want to go. But if you want to make a commercial line, then you're competing with China and you're competing mm. with you know mass produced um, companies that have a lot of budget to. Yeah kind of churn out that stuff and make it for really cheap so you're always going to be fighting with price point and if you're doing something so unique so one of a kind um and you just wait for that one client to really connect with it yeah i think a great example of this is anna johnson Mm -hmm. like she makes these crazy one of a kinds and um there's like i see how they're sold in mora um in Asheville, and it's just people connect and they connect strongly and they buy it even though it's sometimes like you know she's using like bones and like beetle Mm -hmm. wings and it's like a little bit weird but like when somebody connects they connect and they buy it and you can't keep her one of a kind in in stock oh so she's doing that well oh she's doing great yeah i'm always from what i've seen she's doing great oh okay well get it girl yeah but what the point being is that if you really put your whole heart into what you're making you will find a client okay that's good advice and i never actually put my whole heart into my production line right i just like didn't actually want to be a production jeweler right so you shouldn't do it it's a waste of your energy yeah it's right there it's It's nice thank you it's here it's for sale dm me yeah shoot us a dm um so you're in denver you take this new job and so the other thing i think is really interesting about your job is that i feel like you can kind of do it anywhere exactly and that's what i love about it um although you know i'm trying to travel a little bit less but i like kind of that 
ability to be anywhere. I like that I can stay at my parents' house with my dogs for like three weeks on end and just, you know, work like normal. Are you, you must have a lot of self-discipline because not everybody's good at working from home. Oh my gosh. I'm so bad at working from home, but, but you do work from home, right? I do work from home. Do you have a spare, like, do you have a separate room in your house devoted to when you work? I have my own office. I think the hardest part about working for yourself and working from home is not having self-discipline because Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm I'm part creative brain. I can get like, you know, sidetracked and start kind of spiraling down some creative idea that makes no sense with any of the things I'm working on. Oh, yeah. And um, I think that I think that you have to be kind to yourself. And I think that we also have to remember that we're in a society that kind of um, appreciates when people work very long days, but mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have to. Like when you kind of cut out all of the working parts of like the morning coffee at the office and the chit chat and the water cooler talk and the lunch break, yeah. you can get a lot of work done pretty quickly. So I try to give myself space to like, if I'm like on this like creative tangent or like if I just need to sit and watch an episode of Friends, like just yeah. do it. Like just give yourself that. Thank you for saying that. Because sure. sometimes I just like, need to sit and watch an episode of Project Runway and then I can finish the podcast. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why we're hot on ourselves because you're probably still working a 12 hour day. Yeah, I work a lot, but like I always, but I am, I need my downtime. I don't do well with it. Yeah, but I think people project that or like society is just like work, 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 work. And you have to work from like nine to five solid and blah, blah, blah. I also really hate that thing where they talk about like the most successful people in life are up at 5 a.m. every day because God damn, I can't wake up before 730 no, to save my life. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, yeah. like some days I roll out of bed at 830. Yes. Talking about language. Who cares? <laughs> most of my clients are on the West Coast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm most productive between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Those are like my prime hours. Those are my prime hours too. I And also kind of what keeps me on track is I schedule a lot of phone calls throughout the day. Oh, good. So that kind of keeps me like on a schedule. Yeah, I like that. That's good. I'll do that even on my days off or my studio days. I like schedule phone calls or meetings or things, tasks that I need to do. Yeah. Because then I at least have to put on like real pants and, right. and things like that. Sometimes that's hard. Yeah. How do you go about that? Because I feel like some days if I don't wake up and shower and whatever, like I don't really feel like I get into my zone. Do you make a point to wake up every day and shower? No. <laughs> no. I never wash my hair. It's, <laughs> it looks great. Can't tell you. from here. It's in a side braid, so it looks okay. But yeah. anyway, um, no, that's not really my routine. Um, it's more so like... I put on shoes, like sneakers. Like yeah. I can wear be, be wearing like a full yoga outfit, but mm-hmm. as long as I'm wearing sneakers, I can like go into my office and start working. Like that's okay. the one thing that makes me feel ready, yeah. which is such a silly kind of little thing, but you find your thing. Mine is contacts. Like the minute I put on my contacts, it's like, all right, we're 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 facing the day here. Yeah, also I need a cup of black coffee to start my day. I cannot get started without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ran out of coffee beans this morning nope. and I, I threw a fit. No. I get very grumpy and then I go way out of my way to go to whatever coffee shops closest and get coffee. So as a freelancer, my question to you is how do you charge? Sure. Because also I find when I'm trying to like track my hours of working, 
um, I find it's like a whole other job on top of it to try to like actually know how much I'm working on what certain tasks. Right. So um, I have a couple of retainer clients right now that kind of... What's a retainer client? So that means that they pay me X amount per month and that's no. it. So it's not an hourly situation. It's like I need to accomp- accomplish certain goals within the month and do certain things. And I usually end up... Sp- I, I usually give an hour estimate mm-hmm. and I usually work over that because I'm a little bit, you know, crazy like Overachiever. that. Overachiever. Yeah, yes, yeah, I like, like it. that. Mm-hmm. So um, are retainers like what you actually want? That sounds way better than right, an hourly client. Right, it's way better. And like even with hourly clients, I kind of treat them like retainer clients because I'm really bad at tracking my hours. Mm, okay. um, and I'm usually going above it, above the hourly you know, rate. And then also like with creative work, I think it's really hard to put a time constraint on things. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of what I do for, so most of what I do is manage Instagrams and create content and create a content strategy. That's like what I'm best at. Um, other than my other job of selling trade show booths. Um, but I pretty much like, I mean, I never know if I'm shooting jewelry, how long editing is going to take or if I'm going to find the light or, you know, I don't want to have that limitation. So mm-hmm. I prefer retainer clients, but I'm not perfect. Yeah. I've been in business for myself for about three and a half years. And it's the whole finance side of it. I find very challenging. Yeah. It's uh, okay. So we, I keep getting um, sidetracked because I have so many things I want to talk to you about. We can talk forever. So we're in, De- we're in Denver. You get these like jobs you start working for yourself technically. Yes. I mean, well, yeah, you get this position for JA and with this other jeweler. Right. Um, when do you move out of Denver? So about six months later, I was like, I I mean, guys, I hated Denver. She didn't like it. I did That's not like fair. it. It was like, I liked Boulder. I liked where Todd's studio is. It's beautiful. I couldn't mm-hmm. afford to live there. Um, Chris and I really wanted to buy a house because there was something about like ownership over a property that felt really good to us. It yeah. felt like the step we needed for our relationship um, and for us to move forward. And we just could not afford it. So we were in Asheville after like a wedding we attended in Raleigh and we drove to Asheville. I'd been dying to go to Mora. I've been stalking Martha, the owner of Mora, since I saw her at the Couture show wearing a pair of Laura Wood earrings that I just had to have. And I like mm-hmm. bought them off her ear, essentially. <laughs> um, so I was like, we have to, we're so close. We're in North Carolina. We have to go to Asheville. And um, so we we took a, a trip up to Asheville and we loved it. It just, yeah. I mean, I loved it. Chris was so-so, but um, I loved it. It felt like Boulder, but it felt like East Coast Boulder. Mm. And it kind of aligned Chris and I's um, personal tastes for kind of where we wanted to live. It felt like the perfect compromise. Yeah. I was like, we're moving here. And he he's like, okay, we'll move here. All and right. as soon as I got the okay, I was like, okay, we're looking at houses. And we just like bought a house within a month and moved. That's, well, okay. That's it's a wild. little nuts. I mean, you had been saving for a house, obviously, then. Um, yes and no. I'm going to be real honest again. <laughs> I mean, I just met with a realtor the other week and I was like, all right, we're obviously a ways away from buying so a house. So here's the problem with buying a house is yeah. that I had just started working for myself. I had no proof of income. Oh, yeah. Chris is a tattoo artist. He works a lot on cash. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a lot, you know, of, oh, yeah. of stuff recorded. Anyway, um, his grandfather was amazing and nice loaned us money. So we're paying him like he's the bank. Oh, OK. Um. So I was just really lucky that we had somebody to kind of support us in that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, 
that microphone you're talking to is thanks to grandpa. Thanks, grandpa. Thank you, grandpa. Yeah, no. And it's like we're paying him back like a normal mortgage. Um, But he has been so supportive. And Chris is a creative as well. And I think being in a relationship with a creative where I'm only kind of half business minded, I think Mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of get to a point where you can afford something like a house. Yeah. But once we kind of bought the house and started paying down our mortgage, we kind of got more secure financially. Yeah. Because there were, it felt like there was less at stake. You and know? you're investing in yourself. You're not just exactly. like, I throw $700 a month out the window. And right. I'm just it like, what am silly. I doing? It does feel silly, but it's that thing where you can't get ahead. Yeah. You know, like how do you save? I know. You're living paycheck to paycheck and you just can't put enough away. Right. To I, make that my payment. best advice is to kind of like really be thoughtful about what you're spending your money on. Yeah. As I just, drink two ten dollar cocktails yeah but that was worth it (laughs) see exactly case in point (laughs) anyways so you moved to Asheville so um when you started working for yourself did you brand yourself as like 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 a business like I was lurking you online so is stay gold the name of your business so it is the name of my business so when I um, was working at Todd Rito, still blogging. Mm-hmm. I have always been blogging since 2008. Like I said earlier, um, it's just felt like this, this, um, vocabulary, like I understood it. Like I wanted to get information out that way. I wanted to share what I liked and didn't like, um, or not what I didn't like. I don't know. I wanted to yeah, share. No, that's fair. You could blog about what you don't yeah, like too. I mean, sometimes, but mm-hmm. like, I wanted to share what I liked cause I felt yeah. like I had a lot of unique interest and I felt like um so uh, another side note about Chris he was in a touring rock band for a long time so our mm. initial connection was over music and some of the bands we were into and stuff so I was initially like a music blogger like that's mm. kind of um where I started but so I was blogging about jewelry under the the name Stay Gold while I was at Todd Reed just on my personal time like on the weekends and stuff like that because I always need an extra hobby um mm-hmm. and when I started my business, I was like, oh, I'll name it after the, the that blog I have. But people yeah. kind of started to position me as a blogger. I thought you were. I know, I'm and it's so okay. Sorry. But I've never only been a blogger, which no disrespect to bloggers, but I've but never have you just actually been ever one. made money off of a blog? 100% no. How do, do people that do, do bloggers, most bloggers actually make money off of that? Yeah, you know, they do. And you can create a really like transparent business model with that and mm-hmm. be really clear about sponsored posts. And there's ways to do it. Yeah. I think that it's hard. Yeah. Really hard to make money. I've never made money off my Instagram either. Mm, okay. Again, no disrespect to people who do. Yeah. I'm just like so curious about it. I'll find somebody eventually to talk to. You'll find somebody. That's like actually making money off of it. Yeah. So anyway, stay gold. Good name, by the way. Right. But um, a lot of people, I don't know. People connect with my name more now. Liz Cantor. Right. Yeah. So, um. People don't know what stay gold is. Okay. That makes sense. But it it, confused me. Yeah. No, understandable. So I kind of need to think about my branding again. But you know when you're working on things for other people all the time and then you don't think about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with my personal brand. I mean, I didn't want to bring that up, but I was like, yours sounds confusing. (laughs) It's a little confusing. (laughs) I mean, do this for a living. (laughs) I know. It's so hard. Like, I think that if you look at my Instagram, you can tell I have a voice. Yeah, of course. And I just need to kind of switch up my website, but I've not done it yet. So how many retainers do you have? So right now... Using that lingo. I have four. And 
is it okay to ask like how much your retainers pay you or like what um, is so it depends i mean yeah. it's from 500 to 4,000 per month oh per month okay yeah cool. so it kind of depends on the scope of work mm-hmm. um and kind of what i'm trying to achieve for them um and then sometimes it's a retainer client and then if i go to work a trade show for them or spending extra hours for some reason it's more yeah. than that so you add on oh yeah of course because working at a trade show is not an easy job it's no joke um so then other the, the other freelance stuff you do what do you charge? What's your hourly rate? So I'm very flexible. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm a little flexible. It's kind of embarrassing because I'm like a pushover. When I'm excited about a project, I'm like, let me just do it for free, yeah, which well, is my biggest downfall. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Um, but and I'm asking this for you because like people keep being coming to me like, oh, sure. you need help. You need to hire somebody. It's like, I'm not in a position with the podcast. I can't pay out of my own pocket to hire marketing but oh, i know so i need help people keep saying that so i actually was doing research into marketing and hiring and even like wanting to take on a marketing intern understanding what they would be making if they were getting paid right and i refuse to take on any unpaid interns right so, i think for an intern you could pay them you know under 20 dollars an hour yeah um i charge um hundred to hundred and fifty dollars an hour but it's like it's not just the hourly rate there's like so much more to it so when you're taking on a new client something to remember is that you have to do a ton of pre-work and research and kind of get into all of it like yeah you have to reacquaint you have to acquaint yourself with who they are and and what their goals are and you know read their bio dig through their website look through their whole I try to look through all the way down somebody's Instagram feed Mm -hmm. to see kind of where they've been and what they're doing and then also like you have to account for all the time you spend on the phone and emailing and stuff like that and that's why and then you also have to account for like your your laptop your cell phone your um, the Wi Fi, all of your overhead. So that's why those rates are as high as they are because you're not paying somebody benefits. Yeah. Um, but I like to be flexible, and that's why I push people into retainers sometimes because then I can kind of do more work for like less of a like. Um, it helps them in the long run. It helps them in the long run, I think. But honestly, I'm the worst at invoicing. I'm so bad at it. I'm mm. always behind. I'm bad at um, also like writing proposals. That's what I stress the most about. Do you have an accountant? Um, my dad does my taxes. Way to go, dad. Yeah. And he's retiring in May. So, I mean, maybe I might take him on. Yeah. Yeah. But the invoicing and all that, you're self-taught and that's what you do. It's what I do. And I've never been good at schedules. Mm. And then when, okay, so you're paying somebody a retainer and whatnot. The thing for me too with social media, because I feel like it's, you can't always see direct results besides like the likes and how many comments and whatever. Um, But when you're working with clients and it's scary for me to want to hire somebody to do marketing, because how do I know if it's actually working or I'm getting my money's worth? How do you prove that to a client? Sure. So you need to work with somebody you trust. Yeah. I think first and foremost, I think that relationship's really important um, because it, you don't see results immediately. So you need somebody who's communicating with you through that mm-hmm. kind of early stages because when you switch switch your direction of any kind of aspect of marketing, it takes a minute for consumers to catch on. Yeah. Um, so I would say it takes two or three months to kind of start getting the results you need. Um for example, when I started 
working um, with Todd Reed again six months ago after kind of two about two years not working with him it took me about four or five months to kind of get his Instagram back where I want it where yeah. it was growing really well um I think that you really have to put a lot of time in Instagram's yeah. not easy growing a page is not easy getting your your social media to a point where you're making sales is not easy and um you really have to communicate with whoever you're marketing with and I think that whoever you're hiring has to really understand who you are and and what message you're trying to get ap- across and you have to be really clear about that yeah you have to help them help you right um but have you had situation but like for you like what is a way that you reach out and let them know what you're sure. doing so i do pretty extensive reporting on instagrams like there's so many analytics you can dive into and mm-hmm. kind of understand the growth or lack of growth and sometimes there's a lack of growth for a reason mm-hmm. and it's kind of exploring that and kind of talking about why it's that way and how you can make it better. I think it's constantly looking for solutions because yeah. social media is just a conversation with your audience or yeah. a conversation with potential clients. Um, so you really have to like keep adjusting that, especially yeah. in the early stages of working with somebody or the early stages of kind of deciding that you want to do marketing. Yeah. Have you ever had a client that you're like doing all the things right and whatever, and it's just like not working and you're just like, maybe I'm just not the person for you. So many times. Um, yeah. I also go a lot, like, I mean, not to be like a hippie, but like energy is so important and kind of like aligning and understanding with, um, what the person you're working for is trying to do mm-hmm. is so important. And a lot of times when I don't believe in it, it shows in the results and I have to be like really honest with myself about that. Like this client's not a great fit. Yeah. Even though you might need the money and right. whatnot. How are you doing financially? Um, you know, right now I'm feeling pretty good because I um got some credit card debt when mm-hmm. I first started working for myself and I just paid those credit cards off, which I'm really proud about because it felt yeah. like a sinking ship. Like it yeah. felt like I could never pay them off. Um and then I told you I'd tell everybody this, but um <laughs> um quarterly taxes are really important, you guys. And last year I didn't kind of budget myself to be able to afford them and when tax season rolled around I owed a lot a lot of money what's a lot $19,000 oh my god um so I had to borrow some money from my parents that's wild okay because you're a 1099 you're a freelance yes yeah so you're not getting taxes pulled out it's your responsibility to pull your taxes right that's another reason why I like a job yeah no a job's great they do that I working see for yourself is hard it is not the dream yeah I didn't I mean I mean I gave it like a half-ass shot like for two years and I was miserable so yeah yeah it's it was really hard I think that it's still really hard. And, you know, um, I like the bigger clients that I have because they provide more structure for me. Mm-hmm. And but I d- still kind of don't want to work in an office all day. So yeah. I think it's constantly kind of finding what what's going to work for you. Yeah. What do you mean by bigger clients? Like who? How big? So one of my clients is Emerald Expositions, which is a trade show company. Oh, I know that name from. Yep. OK. Yeah. So they own um, the Couture Show, Jay New York. um, New York Now. That's how I know it. Yeah. yeah I then, worked New York Now one year. Right. And then yeah. we're launching a new show called Premiere that I'm curating. Oh. Yeah. Can we talk about this? We can talk about that this. that seems like a really big deal. Like, how do you even get into that kind of thing? Sure. So um, I, I've always loved designers and emerging designers and kind of supporting them. And so the, the whole new designer gallery uh, 
job that I kind of first left Todd Reed for was a really natural fit for me. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's a um, group of designers that um, get turnkey booths at the J New York show. And then they also get my assistance with their first What's trade show. What's a turnkey booth? So a turnkey booth, meaning that it comes with everything. So you don't have oh. to worry about building a booth. So you got your display case and your lighting and your electrical and That's your magical. stools and everything. Yeah, you just walk in and do the show. And so the shows are really great experience for me because I can bring in designers I'm really excited about that are newer to the industry. And then I can support them in their trade show because that's what Emerald is paying me for. Like that's my role is to help these new designers. So we've had a lot of success with that and we kind of, and how do they make money off of it? Because you give a portion of the sales to... So Emerald? it all goes through Emerald. So Yeah. I mean, that's they're helping themselves in the long run by right. getting these new designers. Right. Because the goal for them is to kind of retain them, um, you know, to a next show and a and show after that up. and sort yeah. of that. And like the the goal would be for the, the repetition of being at this show is to get more potential clients and more clients. I mean, yeah. trade shows used to be a moneymaker and now they're a marketing expense. And it's... And mm-hmm. that's changed in the past 10 years, I'd say. Meaning marketing expense that you're not actually making any money, but you're showing people right. that you exist still or like what? Yeah, no, it's um, retailers want to see that you're around and you're going to stay around. They oh, want I get that. Your, your business to be like have longevity. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times retailers will look at your collection several times before they actually buy it. Mm-hmm. So doing a trade show consistently is really important. Um, and in the meantime, while you're not, maybe making sales it's really important to like leverage it for press opportunities and getting your name out there and uh, and kind of connecting with buyers because this business is all relationships it's always been all relationships yeah um so meeting a retailer at a show and then maybe them buying from you three years later is still a really important thing oh okay yeah so then you get paid what do they pay you do you get paid like do they pay you hourly to like no, research these artists? No, this is a, one of my retainer clients. Oh, it's a retainer. It's a retainer client. Um, so this new show we're launching, they kind of loved where I was going with the the you know supporting new designers, and um, we decided to launch this new show in Vegas because the whole landscape there is kind of changing a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want me to explain all that? Kind of. I don't yeah, understand. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know there's a lot of trade shows that go down in New York and a lot that go down in Vegas. Right. So this Vegas market week is kind of one of the bigger market weeks. Mm-hmm. It's an international market week for jewelry. Um, this is when the Couture show takes place, which is the premier fine jewelry show. This is where the mm-hmm. top, top fine jewelry designers exhibit their lines. Like we're talking like, you know, Todd Reed and Anthony Lent and um, mm-hmm. uh, Marjorie Hershey and all of these amazing designers exhibit at this show. And Um, we kind of felt like there wasn't an opportunity for more independent designers because Couture is a very expensive show. Um, It's in the five digits and that's a lot to take on. Oh, just a show. Yes. Wow. For a booth. I thought a booth, (laughs) I thought a booth for the PMA, which I think is like a thousand dollars for, I was like a thousand dollars. I know it's a lot. That's the hardest thing is budgeting and but like a $5,000 or whatever it is. Oh, oh, oh you said, more. Oh wait, you're like five, six, five digits. figures. Oh, okay. I get it. Sorry. Wow. No worries. No, it's a very expensive oh, show, but it's also a very stomach. beautiful event. Like it's yeah. worth every penny. Once you're at that level where you have brand recognition, it's a great show yeah. um, to do. And it's a beautiful experience, but we felt like we wanted to give, um, 
independent designers an opportunity to exhibit in Vegas, which is such a powerful market week where so many retailers are coming. Um, so I'm doing a design center. It's called um, Premier Design um, within the Premier Show, and it's going to be right at the front, and it's going to be highlighted. Um, I'm curating it with my friend and colleague Morgan Miller who works Mm -hmm. on the couture show and we actually met when we were both working um, for independent designers so she was working for Satomi Kawakita who's an amazing designer in Brooklyn New York um no not Brooklyn she's in Soho anyway um and and Todd Reed actually introduced us See, guys, look at those relationships. He was like, you're going to love this girl, Morgan. So we hit it off. We hang out. We love jewelry. We talk about designers. Um, There's an opening at the the Couture Show on your Emerald Exhibitions. And my my, um, client is, you know, asking me if I know anybody. And I was like, you got to You got to meet with this girl, Morgan. And she gets this job because she's amazing. She deserved it. And um, now, three years later, we have this opportunity to curate this independent designer section together. So that's such a fun and pretty big deal. It seems like it's huge. I mean, it's so exciting from, you know, just our personal interest. And then I'm learning so much about I'm just learning so much. I feel like I'm learning a lot. And then her and I are very thoughtfully curating this whole show. So we're going to have 50 designers and we have 32 signed on already. And they're all amazing independent designers like um, Lindley Gray, Elizabeth Bell, Diana Mitchell, like all kinds of people that you'd see at, you know, more traditional shows like Jay in New York and New York Now's Handmade section. and. Um, I'm bringing in art jewelers like Karen Jacobson, who does crazy origami sterling silver sculptures. And um, I I just, my goal to kind of bring the art world into the fine world and kind of connect all these things is really important. And then also we're, we created this show because retailers were asking for this. They wanted Mm. to discover new designers. They wanted more, you know, bridal options. They wanted more sterling silver options. Like, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to work really well in the Vegas market. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. And then just one more thing about it is to support new designers. We're also and emerging designers and independent designers. We're doing turnkey booths, like I mentioned. So it comes oh, so with they everything. Can just like roll in. You don't have to worry about any of it because you should be focused on making your jewelry, marketing it, and reaching out to stores. I feel like honestly, the biggest, the hardest thing about doing the PMA last year was the booth. Yes. Yeah. I, it's and, so stressful. Yeah. And I'm selling my booth. <laughs> I'm like goodbye. Bye, We're booth. done here. But yeah, it's a big part of it and an expensive part of it. Yeah, it is. But if, I mean, if you build a booth that you can use again and again, then sometimes it's worth it. Yeah, no, mine was solid as a rock. But anytime you can do like a a show where they provide all that for you, I Mm -hmm. think it's just easier. And better. Mm -hmm. So where do you see yourself going? Like like in this trade show kind of direction, right? I have no idea. I mean, I love being a part of these kind of big events because I can be somebody who's a support for these designers because I know it's really scary to kind of sign up for an event and travel to a city and and you know kind of put your collection out there and Mm -hmm. not be sure of what's happening and then also like sometimes you just have little questions and I know this because I was on the brand side before (laughs) yeah so and I remember like sometimes I'd be like building Todd's booth and be like oh my gosh where's that outlet I ordered or whatever. And I didn't have a contact to text or, you know, call and you're so flustered. Um, So I want to be that for people. That's really important. I think so. Yeah. So 
what other what other things that I need to touch on before we like wrap this up? Sure. Well, you know, one thing I did want to say is I think there's going to be people out there that are listening to this and being like, I need a Liz Cantor in my life or whatnot. And you you stress like you should have a relationship or someone you trust. But when you really don't know anything about this, you don't even know where to look or who to trust. Right. So do you have any tips on where to find your person like Yeah. This? So, I mean, I'm always glad to do a call with a designer. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Like you can DM me. I will answer you. I love answering questions. I love supporting people. And I have like, I'm lucky enough to like have connected with quite a few creatives in this industry and people who do certain aspects of marketing or specialize in certain things. So I'm always glad to talk through like, oh, well, maybe you should talk to this person or this person. Um, yeah. And also, it's not just jewelers listening, like ceramic yeah, artists, glass anybody. artists, etc. I mean, those things are so important too. And, yeah. you know, you're nothing without your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your aesthetic, what you're making is so important and that drives your brand. But if you don't kind of package what you're making in something, consumers won't remember who you are. Okay. So it's really important to kind of um, figure out the marketing aspect of your business, but just as important as sales. So you kind of yeah. have to think of those things in tandem. Um, Would you say my brand is, let's break me down for a minute. Cause okay. I, like I thought about that a lot. Like I feel like I didn't really have a clear brand with my jewelry, but now I think I'm just starting to find my brand. Your brand is transparency. I was going to say that. Yeah, no, that's who you yeah. are. Yeah, no. The, and that's like every, like everything you've said to me since you met me at the door mm-hmm. has been like, and even the email you sent to me before we did this is like, I want to be transparent. I want to be transparent. Like that's like what you're saying over and over again, because you're trying to open up a conversation with people. Like yeah. what I feel like you're really trying to do is just open up this bigger conversation and let everybody kind of into the behind the scenes and like talk about things that aren't comfortable, such as money and kind of how people get started, which is such a important topic, like to kind of figure out how to move forward on your own. Like, I Mm -hmm. think this podcast helps people and you want to do that, but you want to do it from a really like clear, transparent space. Yeah. You got to lift the veil because I feel like... I'm just, it's just coming from a point of where I was just frustrated because I just didn't understand things. Right. When I don't understand things, I just want to ask the questions. And right. sometimes and I love that's that. asking the questions that are like, <laughs> can make you sound like a ding dong sometimes, <laughs> but you got to ask them to right. figure things out. And like, I'm always glad when somebody asks me a dumb question, like I, my favorite question is like, Liz, I like don't even understand what a trade show is. Can you like tell me? Or like, I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's the point? Like, I'll talk about trade shows all day. I'm, I'm assuming most of my listeners have an idea of a trade show. Right. But-, but from the craft world, from what I've learned, because I, you know, learned everything I know from kind of the fine world. But then I got into like kind of the craft world where your yeah. booth aesthetic is more important. Almost. Yeah. You feel like you're walking into like a little tiny retail space. Exactly. Which it's it's hard to do that i don't it's a different and then like retail shows versus you know wholesale shows meaning like you know trade specific shows yeah um they're totally different things i mean we could do a whole episode on that because that like i it wasn't until i worked i worked new york now for vanessa gade oh yeah yeah she hired me oh i like her i still have never met her in person but i adore oh, her really yeah it's really funny oh that's funny um 
But I was just like, whoa, yeah, sure. New York now, I'll work that, whatever. Had no idea what I was getting myself into. You were really like striking a chord when you're like, where's that plug-in I ordered? Because like <laughs> Vanessa was on her honeymoon. I couldn't get a hold of her. The lights weren't there. There was no plug-ins. The walls weren't painted. It was a nightmare. It's so the most stressful thing. And I then you're like Liz. in the Javits Center and you're like, I like literally don't know what to do. Yeah. Um. I schmoozed an electrician. Yeah, that's what you do. That's exactly what you do. We've still never gotten that invoice for those lights. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's That's what you do. I will say that like in the trade show world, like it's, well, in life, it's always good to be nice to everyone around you. Oh yeah. I'm a nice person and it gets me very far. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours because I have so many more questions. But is there anything that we didn't talk about that you're like, oh, I wish we would have brought this up? I don't know. I'm like second guessing everything now because that's what I do. And no. I'm like, I don't think we got across who I what who I am. No, I but think we, we did. Got, I think we did, girl. Yeah. I mean, we. I know you're. I mean, you're a digital marketing content specialist, something like that. Yeah, all the things. Freelancer. Um, I, I never wash my hair. I like you, punk rock music. Um, I live in Asheville. I like I, mid-century modern. I have two dogs. You like you wear a lot of jewelry. I do. You don't blog as often. I stopped blogging. I did know. I trust me. I checked the last date on your last post. Not gonna I was like, lie. Oh. Billable hours are better than not billable hours. Oh yeah. Oh, oh you know what? I do want to ask this one thing because sure. there's like something threw me off about you with your social media. Sorry, not no to worries. be like rude oh, please. about that. Oh, God. Um, but you all of a sudden came out of nowhere with like a bunch of beauty products. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I <laughs> I went through an exploratory phase. And one of your questions on on um, the sheet you sent me was like, didn't you try a podcast? Oh, my God. Yeah. Didn't you try to podcast too? I was like, oh, OK, I got competition. It was before mine was even out. And I was like, damn it. Someone's going to me, beat me to the punch and do a jewelry podcast. Guys podcasting is hard uh it's not easy it was not easy and I was like this is not how I should spend my time because I was like spending well Chris was spending a lot of time editing and I was helping and it was just too much I hated it and I don't know you have to try things I think you have to try things um I I became very into like natural beauty products and like um, I think that products in general are interesting and like how people brand them and all that. I got very into it and I started kind of talking about it because I yeah. was connecting t- with people. But were people sending you those products for no. free? Because I feel like I see that a lot on Instagram yeah. where they're like opening up this box like, oh, this new lip gloss I got. It's amazing. No, it was not like that. It was oh, like okay. I was purchasing very expensive natural skincare products. May Lindstrom is my favorite. It's worth every single penny. Oh, we got to talk brand. about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I just felt like I needed to say something or show it but then I mean to be honest you sometimes you have to kind of play with your brand and put content out there that you know you want to try certain things and then I realized it wasn't really me it didn't feel like something I wanted to be sharing on my page and I've kind of shifted directions a little bit I was also doing like more um, marketing chats and and live videos and stuff and I felt like well, I was glad to be giving people information and I'm still glad to be always giving people information. Yeah. It didn't feel right to me. Yeah, you, I mean, you just have to try things. Sure. I try things all the time. I got fired from seven jobs in one year once. Yeah, it happens. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you just gotta and figure things out. The thing is, it's not ruining anything. You know, no. like, if you're like in your design 
too, like if you want to try something, if your gut is telling you you need to try this thing, I encourage you to try it. Yeah, you got to make a lot of ugly shit till you get to the really good stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I did notice that you really aren't doing the beauty. No, not so much anymore because I felt like also I kind of shifted my mind in terms of how I was spending money. And Mm. I like got very into trying new products and was spending way too much money at Sephora. And I just had to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's an expensive hobby. And then my new goal became to pay off my credit cards. And I will tell you guys, I did pay them off, which I said earlier in this podcast, but I'm really proud of that. Hey, yo, shout it out again, because that's a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. So as we wrap up, is there anything you want to plug? Oh, God, you're going to be at New York City Jewelry Week. I am going to be at New York City Jewelry Week. What are you doing? We're going to miss each other, which is pretty yeah, sad. Yeah, probably. Although I, I might stage all that Saturday. because there's mean, our show is going to be good. Your show is going to be good. And we also just like the party. So. Yeah, which I want to come to your party. And then also there's another thing on like later in the week I want to go to. But I'm speaking on a panel at Michelle Varian on Tuesday night. I think it's at 6. What's Michelle Varian? It's this jewelry store that I've honestly never been to, but oh, they have okay. a great collection of designers. Okay. Um, and I'm speaking on a panel about kind of... It's in Manhattan? It's in Manhattan. I think it's in Soho. Okay. But I'm speaking on a panel with JB, who's one of the founders of Jewelry Week and the owner of Michelle Varian and a couple other people. Um, so that'll be cool. And then I'm, I'll be... Um, taking over the premiere show's Instagram Oh wow! Um, during that week as well. So I'll show you where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, but this new premiere show that's taking place um, in Vegas uh, in 2019, like May 30th through June 3rd, um, if anybody wants to chat about exhibiting there, yeah. I'd love to chat with you. Oh, shoot. You know what? That is one question I did want to sure. ask because I see you like jet setting to all these shows. Yes. That was one of the questions on my outline. I was like, are like trade shows your Disneyland? So you're willing to foot the bill. Do you pay for all these places you go? I mean, I do. I, yeah. you know, like if it's for work, you know, uh, if Can you write it off then. Yeah. hundred percent. I write it off. I write okay. all this off, but, yeah. um, yeah. Um, it's not a Disneyland. It's yeah. very unpleasant. Like I love being at trade shows, <laughs> but as an introvert, it like really like destroys my energy. By the end of the show, I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Okay. And hide for days. That was just my nosy thing. Cause you always yeah, no see worries. people on Instagram going all these places. I'm like, are they buying their own plane ticket? And like, also by jet setting, she means I'm in New York, Las Vegas, or Denver. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it looks much more fancy. I know on it looks. Instagram. I want to go to Goldsmiths. If anybody wants to pay for me to go, I'd love to. Go. Oh, is that in London? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, figure it out. Make it like a holiday. Yeah, I just put it out into the universe. Oh so. yeah, that's what you gotta do, girl. That's what you gotta do. You just gotta put it out there. Well, thank you so much for answering oh my all my gosh, nosy I questions. I want to talk to you forever. Don't make me leave. Um. Well, I'm not. Well, you know, guys. Uh, we're gonna be we're shutting down the shop here but we are going to record a bonus episode who knows what it'll be about yeah because i let my guests pick the topic of the bonus episode and it doesn't have to be about jewelry or anything they could just ask me what i ate for breakfast um but if you want to listen to that you have to be a patron of mine so you have to go to my patreon and sign up what else do you get from your patreon um not a whole lot yet because i'm still figuring it out but you'll get there yeah, like I got some tote bags in the oh, works cool. and things like that. You get a shout out on the podcast. 
I'm a one woman show, so we're figuring it out. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get like, you know, an enamel pin. People love enamel pins. Girl, I can help you with that. Okay, good. I need all the help I can yeah. get. <laughs> um, anyways, well, thank you, Liz. You've been a wonderful guest. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty positive. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. This has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. Until next time. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron. Visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.